0: mm mm-hmm. Welcome to the Beginner Audiophile Show, where we bridge the gap between the clueless big box stores and the snobby stereo shops. Every show is filled with gear reviews, commentary, and interviews aimed to find out what makes a real-world difference in your listening experience, how to get the most bang for your buck, and frankly, how to begin experiencing your music in the way it was intended. And now, your co-hosts, Harris Fogle and Michael O'Neill.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beginner Audiophile. How are you today? It's Michael O'Neill here in sunny San Diego. And uh, joining me in a moment will be Mr. Harris Vogel from, I believe, Anaheim, uh, California as well. In this episode, we are going to talk about uh, some of our favorite songs that we use to test our gear. Harris has a really cool portable DAC that he's just gotten that we're going to talk about. I'm going to talk a bit about the audio control Rialto 600, which is a little compact amplifier. And uh, we're going to catch up and then jump right into it. Uh, Without further ado, Mr. Harris Vogel. What's up, Harris?
0: Hey, how are you?
1: Good, man. Welcome to California again. Yeah, I'm back in
0: Redlands, California today. I used to teach at the University of Redlands once upon a time, and um, so it's great to be here it's of course pretty warm
1: <laughs> yeah um, it's, it''s it's in a valley it's in it's inland it's not right by the water so you're in the
0: magi- in the majestic inland Empire right,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, talk about something that sounds better than it is well you know it's funny um,
0: last year I think you and I talked about the fact that I had this really ridiculously uh, bad experience losing a lot of data mm. yeah. and what had happened? was that I had, okay, I have a complicated system, but I had, at the core of it is a Mac Pro, and the Mac Pro, it's an older one, the cheese grater models, and it, you know, the wonderful thing about that model is it has three, it has four internal drive bays that you can throw SATA drives into, right? and it's really fabulous, you know, and um, it was actually one of, yeah, but it was also one of the problems of the Mac Pro trash can that replaced it, which was, Everything was external, which, from a first of all, from a cost standpoint, meant you had meant you had to go out and buy all brand new drives, and they probably should be Thunderbolt, you know, mm. to take advantage of the speed. And there's a lot more external, and a lot more cables, and a lot more power supplies. And so, if you go down the list, it's a nice, elegant solution. It's just kind of an expensive, elegant solution, right? Right. And so, um, so that becomes, you know, a bit of an issue. And so what I so what I have is I have a, I have a boot drive, of course, and I have three um, Seagate enterprise level drives, and they're all running through Soft Raid, which is one of the great pieces of Mac software in the world. And um, and and all of a sudden one day I woke up the day after my birthday, and the drive wouldn't mount, and the mm. raid wouldn't mount, and so I I had to reboot it, and it still wouldn't mount, and. I used um Disc Warrior from Allsoft, which is every Mac, you know, aficionado's favorite first go to when it comes to disk repair. And even the you know, even Apple uses it. So um, so I I was able to kind of get the drives back online, but then what I discovered was I was out basically six terabytes of data. Wow. And, that's a lot. And it yeah, and it took the better part of seven or eight months to restore the data set. And I ended up not really losing anything partly because I had so many backups, but the backups were all over the place in different, you know, sometimes different locations, sometimes different states, different hard drives. But the interesting part of this, Michael, was, you know, I've been a member of the Society of Sound for quite some time, and that's a a site that I recommend our listeners go to. It's going to definitely not be the big names. It's going to be a lot of smaller, independent, but incredibly, you know, well-rounded and, um, and you know, really skilled musicians. And, um, and even some names like Thomas Dolby, you know, records for him. And that's Peter Gabriel's label. And mm. it's all about high res, and it's all about really good quality recordings. And they have everything from remastered versions of the Blind Boys of Alabama to Portico Quartet. So you, it really is eclectic, and it's got, and every month they have a new set of titles. You get two titles a month. And one is a classical, and one is um, usually another popular title. And once in a while, Peter Gabriel throws his own stuff up there. Mm.
1: So This is b and I'm reading. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Bowers B&W. and Wilkins, B&W, the speaker company. That's is, right. It, this is the their – I kind of love that they're controlling that ecosystem because they want good front end to go into their speakers so that you can actually hear what they do for real.
0: Now, there are complaints. People say, hey – Dude, there's no deep purple or Bachman Turner Overdrive, and you know what? That's true. <laughs> so it's much more eclectic playlist, but they have they have all the rest- restorations of Maria Callas. You know, if, mm. if she's somebody that you're tuned to, so um, so anyway, I discovered that a lot of that music was missing, and and so here's the deal: I'm a real storage geek. And I back everything up and then I keep everything rated and it's not uh, it's not a, a RAID 5, it's a RAID 1, it's a mirror. So in theory, if one drive fails, you've got your data on all the other drives. Mm. And I had one of my, my external backup drive was on the system at the time. So when that first drive failed, it dutifully corrupted the other drives. <laughs> so that made life really miserable. And I had about a four-month-old backup you know, that I kept off site and luckily I was able to retrieve that and grab from it. But in doing so, you know, I pulled up all the, you know, what you know, I started off with like two terabyte drives, then four, then six, then eight, right? So I had all those earlier data sets and those drive those volumes. And I, I pulled from them. and what I discovered was I had been beautifully and dutifully backing up corrupted or non-existent data. So oh. when I went to the Society of Sound with all this beautiful music. I found empty folders, but i had been backing up those empty folders for like five years. So, um, for one thing, it taught me that I hadn't been listening to the music enough because I yeah, should have noticed. I was going to
1: say you got you're going to have to bring this into music uh, that's at some right. point. But you know, but
0: the but these files, you know,
1: these digital files are fragile,
0: and so I really do recommend that you know our listeners pay attention to backups. Back you know? um, I have a friend at Adobe and I, you know, and, I, and and of course my Lightroom catalog was toasted and luckily I had an old one and I was able to build upon it. And I said, "What do you do?" He goes, "Well, I use an NAS device, but I also use, you know, JBOD." And what does JBOD stand for? Just a bunch of old disks. And mm. um, and so just having a hard drive that you copy data to and you unplug and you sit on the shelf for a month and then you plug it in and you update it. That can really save you and and since we don't have really good optical storage, you've got Blu-ray, right? It's really hard to back up, you know, a typical download because, uh, let's face it, you know, last time we talked about this fantastic new restoration of Jocko Pistorius, I think it weighs in about four gigs or something mm. like that. you know, yeah, in it's, the high risk version, big.
1: you got to get yourself a couple of drives for this, yeah. for sure.
0: But I, you've got to have drives that aren't plugged in to preserve this stuff.
1: You know, I, I, I do a lot in the cloud. I, I will say that a lot of my important stuff um, is either on Google Drive or Dropbox or in iCloud, and and, and sometimes multiples of each. Uh, as far as audio goes, I have some on my hard drive, and then I have, I think, two external drives that have my FLAC files. And so I'll I'll go and you know, stick a disc in and then burn the disc to a a digital FLAC file. And that's actually really, that uh, beautifully dovetails into something that I've been experimenting with, which is whole home entertainment. So think of Sonos, but maybe more of a home brewed version where we mentioned uh, uh, airfoil last week. Well, I've dug a little deeper into it and there was a a protocol, um, there's a, there was an application called XBMC that was kind of this uh, media server that you could install, and it was a, you know, a bunch of programmers, a bunch of homebrew dudes that made this thing, and it got pretty popular. It's now called Kodi, K-O-D-I. And I, I discovered that I could run Kodi on my Mac Mini, which is the Mac Mini that's in the studio right now, And as long as it was running and I had the files, you know, in Cody pointed to the right folder. So I have all my audio files in a folder. I tell Cody, get the music files from this folder. And now any application that supports, I think it's UPnP protocol, which is my Marantz receiver. It's this um, audio control, Rialto. It's literally all of these different devices. It all sees it now. So now I can literally push play on Cody on this Mac mini. Airfoil sees everything and now I have entire home music if I want to have a party um playing my flac files, which is really cool to me. It's just a it's a so Cody K O D I is something everybody should get if you have I think it's Mac or PC in fact. Well um,
0: also you were we were chatting last week and you're using the Oppo Sonica DAC. Yep,
1: it sees that too
0: right and we were talking about like setting up a NAS and setting up DNLA, and that's certainly an incredibly easy couple hundred dollar solution right you can DLNA buy DLNA
1: is what i was trying to think of yeah
0: but yeah. you could buy a NAS for a couple hundred bucks now with a couple with you know a couple terabytes well can a,
1: you say what a NAS it, is for people that don't know what that is yeah na- NAS is a network
0: detached storage and so think of it as a server but instead of a server that you have to really you know it's like it's i mean i think in our mind we think of a server as a bunch of computers, you know, running in the basement for Google, but a server really is any computer that shares information. The Mac OS, for I think almost forever, has had the ability to share information. It's had the ability to become a server and share files. And of course, you know, Windows has file sharing. So now almost every device you have is actually a server. So a network attached s- server or a network attached storage. Um, is really just a hard drive with a small computer built into it that generally runs uh, Linux. Um, it's most of the stuff that I've encountered. And you just plug it into your network. In other words, it doesn't it has it may have a USB port, but that's not what it's designed for. It's designed to have an internet connection, an Ethernet connection to your network. and then it just shares files or not. and you know and they have different features. You can access it from anywhere in the world. and I've done that. I've actually, been able on a really fast connection to get my little nas devices and they're not little they're serious nas devices they're from seagate um, and i've been able to stream high-res audio to my computer from 3,000 miles away using you know the the remote services but at home at home all you do is you create you know a shared music folder and every device that you have that's dnla compatible, which includes your phone. It includes every yeah. AVR receiver in the last five years. You could just point to it and you can play, but you chose an even easier way of doing this, which was just to stick a USB hard drive, it's got to be a Windows formatted hard drive, right into the front of the Oppo Sonica DAC, yep. and you could scroll through your music using their app on the phone or the tablet, and you could play it that way. So you didn't even need to have a DAC. You could just put everything on that hard drive and have and not have a NAST, you could put everything on the hard drive and have it play through the sonica yeah and i thought you know i love simplicity i mean i really hate i hate computers i've always hated them because <laughs> i've always felt they're not ready for prime time you know i i had a friend who worked at hewlett-packard and i once went in to look at their systems and and i asked what version of the operating system are you running and they said oh well, ours is like three years old and i said How come you're not running the current one? They said, oh, because the stuff we do is really important and we're not ready to do beta testing, you know? Right. (laughs) So the public is the beta test.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So so yeah, anything to avoid that complexity, I think is a good thing. And from an audio standpoint, um, anything to remove kind of technological hurdles is a good thing.
1: Yeah, I love that idea. Um, So let's talk about, um, we've got, let's assume now we've got our, Drive set up and everything's good and all is well in the world. We've got our, you know, title account or whatever. What songs do you like to tune your system? I thought maybe we could go over, maybe I'll go, um, I'll do four or five songs and then you can do four or five songs if you have, if you can come up with those in this. I'm putting you on the spot here because I just told you about this just now. But, <laughs> um, but <clears throat> I thought, you know, it's really cool for me to, Get you know what you would consider a reference track, and play the same track no matter what your setup is. And you know what we did when we uh, set up my system, and I think we'll probably talk a bit about speaker set while we while we have this conversation. Is um, you can tune your speakers once you know how uh, a song is supposed to sound. You can then tune your system to get as close as you can. Um, obviously, you, you, want, you may not have back-to-back examples where you're just switching back and forth. But what I like to do and what I've done in the past is I'll go to a high-end stereo shop and maybe I'll have a USB drive with me that'll have a few FLAC files on it. And typically, you know, it, most modern stereo shops will be equipped to, to play that. Um, you, you know, you have little buzzes and beeps happening over there, Harris. Oh, you know i are very popular. You
0: know, sorry about that. Let me try and kill that. It's not supposed to go through to Skype, so
1: um, um, anyway, so the I'll play the tracks at the really fancy stereo shop with the fancy equipment. Now, there's no guarantee, by the way, that their equipment is set up well or if it's a good combo, but sometimes you can't go wrong like if if they're playing through some beautiful seven thousand dollars Macintosh integrated amp with some, you know, high-end Sonos Faber speakers and you're looking at a $50,000 system, it's probably going to sound pretty good. So I like to play stuff through that and go, okay, now I have a reference. Then when I go home and I need to, you know, if I get a new pair of speakers to review or uh, something, I'll play those tracks through there and see how close I can get to that feeling that I got in the high-end store. Or if you guys have a an audio show that you can go to, um, that is another great place to listen. So I, here's what I do. I go through, um, let's see. I have a song or a uh, title playlist called System Test Songs. And it has about 37 songs on it. And um, they're, they're kind of all over the map. Some are very kind of electronica and uh, very big in the mix. And some are very sparse and give you a real sense of actually being right there. So uh, the one that's that always jumps out for everybody um, is a song by Jennifer Warnes uh, and David Campbell. It's called The Ballad of the Runaway Horse. And the reason why that one is important, I'll see if I can play this a little bit into my map. Here we go. Her horse she walk till she finds him, her darling, her stray,
0: but the river's in
1: flood. So the reason why that song is important, first of all, it's very sparse. There's not a lot to it. Second of all, there's an upright bass in that song that you can use. Bass is typically the most difficult to tune in a room. So when you have your speakers a little bit too close to the walls, or if they have rear firing ports uh, we've talked about this on earlier episodes it can create a, 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 a muffly sound where it's kind of booming in the corner with that song specifically you want to pull that speaker away from the wall until you hear the attack on the string you actually want to hear that uh, crispness in the notes that, are, um, that the guy's plucking, you want to actually hear that pluck and once you get that you're getting pretty close to how far away your speakers need to be from your back wall. Um, and by the way, Harris, I don't know this about you. Are you a subscriber to um, setting your speakers mathematically, or do you do, or have you heard of the quote-unquote master set?
0: Well, I haven't heard of the master set. Okay. But but when you say setting, are you talking about physical positioning? I'm talking, or talking about talking physical about? positioning.
1: Yep, that's right.
0: <laughs> You know, in my experience, I don't have much options because, um, you know, I live in a house <laughs> with a wife.
1: You've got the waf the wife accept- two, acceptance factor.
0: Well, two boys, but I mean, there's physical limitations. You know, for instance, I have a beautiful set of vintage BMW dm 22s you know, this wonderful set of speakers I bought when I was in college. Uh, because actually a dope grower got busted and the store had these set aside for this grower and... He offered it to me at cost, you know, when I was in college. So it's the only reason I was able to buy them. And um, so, and this is up in Humboldt County, California. My, how things have changed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, so, um, so the thing with them is they're you know, they're there's free, they're standing towers and they're, they have a fabric, you know, front and I have cats. So I found that just, I had to constantly turn them around or put a cover because they found that beautiful speaker to be a great, you know, scratching post. So then I moved over to some bookshelf speakers, but the bookshelves, you know, I only have so much room to put them and they're on actual bookshelves. And, and then of course I've got speaker stands for some other speakers, but you know, the, the, I think a lot of high end audio or a lot of people that design their living rooms and their house around audio, they have a luxury I don't have, which is to you know, just take a room and kind of selfishly turn it into an audio listening area. I have to do a shared environment, and I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm open. I don't have a WAF uh, situation, and you know, I think for the purposes of of this show, I think let's assume we're trying to optimize, um, and that we maybe have a, at least a little bit of wiggle room. And and what I mean by that is that, and again, we've sort of spoken about this a little bit in the on past episodes, but towing in the speakers so that the, the imaging is dead in the center. Uh, tr- at least if you can moving them away from the back wall, far enough into the room where they're not booming on base and then keeping them in equal distance from the left and right walls like those. So those are three super basic things you can do to optimize your sound. And it gets a lot more complicated. And a lot of people use math and a lot of people use something called the master set, which we've also talked about, uh, on previous episodes. But, um, let me get back to the, to the, the uh, task at hand, which is to give you these songs. So, The Ballad of the Runaway Horse is a great one to start with because it's got, it just has kind of everything uh, in it. The other one we really love lately is uh, Tin Pan Alley by Stevie Ray Vaughn and Double Trouble. It's the AKA Roughest Place in Town. Uh, just, it's got this killer first note and then this beautiful light uh, guitar. That it just, when you nail it, when you get it sounding great, um, it's one of the life's true pleasures of listening to this thing. Um, I use a song called Sunrise by Simply Red, which has this build at the beginning. It sounds like this, and then it really kicks in. Let's see. And then bass right here. Um, That one's got a great bass note. And then I've got a song um, by, I think, a DJ or a producer or something called Ott, O-T-T, called The Queen of All Everything. And this is a big, big, big song. This has got a... This is all imaging. Um, when this thing kicks in, it just rocks your house, um, which I love. This is like one of my favorite songs to play when it is set up and just sit and immerse myself in the sound. Holy Toledo! Um, and then, "Sweet Emotion" by Aerosmith, because I'm a drummer, I know what a snare drum's supposed to sound like and it's and kind of how it's supposed to feel. That song's got a really great live, raw snare drum sound. So, if I'm trying to get accuracy in the speakers, we'll play that one, and I want to feel it again. I want to feel that someone's hitting that snare right in front of my face. So, those are my five. "Bow to the Runaway Horse, Sunrise, Tin Pan Alley, uh, Ot, which is uh, the queen of all everything, and then um, the Aerosmith, Sweet Emotion. Those are my five that if I am setting any new thing up, listening to headphones, those are probably the first five songs I'm listening to. And yourself.
0: I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> you don't have some go-tos? I do, I do. But the trouble is, I've got a lot of go-tos. Yeah. So, you know, narrowing it down is is a, is a, is a challenge. Do
1: you have one that um, you're like, this thing, this well, is a tough song? Like, okay, there's a really I'm- tough song by... Um, By uh, Michael Bublé with Ron Sexsmith called "Whatever It Takes," which has a super boomy bass, and if you can tame that, it's probably one of the most challenging notes to get. If you can tame that song in your room, then you've done it.
0: Well, I think for me, it's more that I there's music I just absolutely love. You know, Desert Island Discs, um, plus really good audio production. So, you know, a short list would be the recent remaster of Aqualung by Jethro Tull. Now I say that advisor, with an advisory, which is I'm really Jethro Tulled out, and I'm especially Aqualunged out, because I was in high school when it came out and every third song on KMET or KLOS was you know, Jethro Tull. But the new mix of Aqualung by Stephen Wilson is just a revelation. And also it's an album that, you know, evidently Ian Anderson was always un- unhappy, you know, was really always unhappy with the sound because it was a new studio. And so they allowed him full access to remix from the master tapes, you know, from the actual, you know, multitracks, not just a remaster from the stereo. And I think if you, if you listen um, to some of the more gentle, you know, ballads in like My God or something in, in Aqualung, it's fantastic. Um, okay. Another recording that I'm in love with is Bartok and Ravel, and this is a 30-year-old recording from Delos, and it's the Se- Sequoia String Quartet, and it was one of the earliest digital recordings. It used a, an interesting technique called Soundstream, which was way ahead of its time, and a battery-powered mixing board, and a battery-powered converter. There's no noise, and it, it's absolutely musical. And um, and I think, you know, it's hard to say which, which movement in there, but the entire recording is astounding cool um i love i love the dvd audio of the grateful dead's american beauty and box of rain um is one of my favorite songs and um for those that don't know when dvd audio came out mickey hart who's the drummer um and one of the leaders of the band um he he was really in love with the technology of surround so he remixed the album from the audio vantage point of the drummer so if you sit, that if you cool. have it set up properly, you know, you you can hear the guitars on your left, you can hear the rhythm on your other side, you can hear the vocals out front, you can hear the bass coming from the back of you. So he mixed it specifically, That's cool. talks about it in the liner notes from the point of view of a drummer. So I think that if you can find that, it's absolutely wonderful. Cool. You were talking about Jennifer Warnes. Yep. And um, And I think Famous Blue Raincoat is one of the most beautifully recorded albums in pop music and 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 also one of the most beautifully performed and that has Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, uh, you know we'll take you know, we'll take Berlin, then we'll take Manhattan, or if I got that backwards. And then you've got the duet with Jennifer Warren's and Leonard Cohen. And yes. I think it's unbelievably it's an incredible test to your system because you've got great instrumentation, you've got beautiful vocals that range from her You know, kind of crystalline, clear voice to his rough and you know growly kind of baritone, Um, and I think that's a great test. Mm. And I'm gonna—I know we're only supposed to do five, but I'm gonna do a few more. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, but I'm gonna give you Bohemian Rhapsody in there, which is a really—that is a rough one uh, on on you know because it's got strings and it's got big and it's got quiet. And then the other one I totally forgot about was the Reunion Concert. Of the Eagles, Hotel California, the one that they, they did acoustically, uh, Hell Freezes Over. If you can find a copy of that, a high-res copy of that, it is a... You, you cannot believe they're playing a hand drum on that song because it just booms your floorboards out. It's unreal. <laughs> Unbelievable. And it's kind of cliche now to audio shows. you know. But uh, that's one of those songs that everyone's like, yeah, I know, it's going to sound good. It's like literally the best recorded song of all time or something. Um, okay, but give me, let's go a couple more quickly and then we'll get into our gear review. Okay. here.
0: So you know at an audio show, I heard um, this incredible recording and I asked what it was, and it was the pizza tapes. Hmm. And the pizza tapes, uh, which you can get in high res and in regular, um, is Grisman and Dave and you know, and Garcia. So you got Jerry Garcia and, and, and Grisman. And they had been hanging out at Garcia's house in their home studio, and they'd just been jamming and playing songs and making these recordings, and nothing ever got released. And all of a sudden, this bootleg appeared, and it became one of the most popular bootlegs. And nobody could figure it out, and they finally figured it out that they had ordered pizza one day, and this pizza delivery guy came into the house to deliver the pizza, and there was this cassette laying on the kitchen counter, and then it was gone. And the cassette was just this like rough dub, and um, and that's what you know went out as the infamous Pizza Tapes.
1: Wow, here it is and, right uh, here. Here's Long Black it,
0: Veil. It is a killer album, and the re- and they when they finally released it, you know, in high res and from the original tapes. So I heard that at an audio show, and I was floored. Huh. And I think that is a great, great, great set of titles um, to listen to. Okay, um, here's Long Corsair. Black Veil. Well, hold on. And I think for rock hold and on. roll,
1: hold on, okay. hold on. Somewhere else You won't have to die
0: I not word, Though it my
1: life. You can definitely hear that acoustic guitar sparkling in that recording. So I can't wait to hear that on my main... I'm not a, I'm not a big Jerry Jays fan. I'm not a big Grateful Dead guy, but... Um, I love when it sounds like they're sitting right in front of me, almost no matter what the music is.
0: Okay. So I'm going to just give the titles and we won't talk about them, but I think Neil Young with Crazy Horse, especially any, everyone knows this is nowhere or Cinnamon Girl is a great test of the kind of bottom end and the grunge of your system. Okay. Um, I think Tom Petty, Wildflowers is a, a gorgeously recorded and performed title that really shows off acoustics. Rock and roll and vocals. Mm. Um, I think the Beatles, Abbey Road, to hear Ringo Starr do that incredible drum solo is a great sense of the air in the room. Um,
1: Especially the new one, the remastered stuff that came out too.
0: And I love um, The Kinks, Schoolboys in Disgrace. It's an old one, but it really rocks out. And then, of course, um, The Stones, Exile, Let It Bleed, or Beggar's Banquet, especially in the remastered versions. And then Mm. finally, the fine folks at Chesky Records have an album designed specifically to test your headphones. And that is really the ultimate way to understand if your headphones are working well or not. And it, it goes through every you know test tone. It goes through music. It's a binaural recording. So I think if you're really trying to listen to headphones or earphones critically, that's a must-have title.
1: I think we're going to talk about binaural recording. We'll have to get, um, what's his name from Chesky on there? Brian? Uh, um, no, we would have David, um, David Chesky himself. David. Yeah, David. Um, really interesting where they've, they're literally recording the show with a, like, a, 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 like a mannequin head that has, that has microphones inside the ears of the mannequin. So it's like recording as a human would hear it, which is rad. It's such a cool idea. It reminds me of the the whole VR thing anyway well that's good we've got a we've got a good hope you guys were writing that stuff down and by the way I, I don't mention this much but we have extensive show notes on every single episode so if you guys miss something while you're listening to it pop over to the website dot com we have links to everything we talk about all the music and all the all the uh, the devices and gear and all that stuff um, we have links to do that and it's you know, it's, it's we're here for you, is what we're trying to say, Harris. That's how that works. And um, it's our boy Larry Okoth, who has been nice enough to do that for us. He's in the UK, and he listens to all the shows. So what's up, Larry? You're listening to this now. What's happening? Um, let's talk about a couple pieces of gear that neither of us have completely tested, but we're encouraged, and we've got in our grubby mitts right now, right? So you, you're yeah. looking at the Next Drive Spectra. DAC uh, amplifier. And I I don't have a sense of how big this is or what it is, so so tell us about it.
0: So I heard about this on Facebook, actually on the Beginner Audio File Facebook page, which I I need to evangelize for. Um, We've gotten great comments. Um, And there was a little ad for a new DAC that some young guys had created. And there's a couple interesting design features. First of all, I don't know about you, but when I sit on an airplane especially and I have a little you know, DAC, like a Dragonfly or audio engine or another one sticking out the side of my computer, I'm always scared to death of a flight attendant or a passenger knocking into it and destroying not only my DAC, but my USB port on the right. computer. Right. And so I often use some kind of flexible extender on audio engine, they have what's the, called the Dragon Tail, it's a little USB extender. But the Spectra was designed with a soft cable that goes to a USB. So imagine a little tiny, you know, a normal USB plug Going to a, a, a nice soft fabric braided cable, and then it goes to a little black cylinder. At least mine is black. They have a couple color options, and it's about the length of a cigarette, and um, and it's only slightly thicker than a cigarette. Mm. And then on the other end, you just plug your headphones in. So, for all intents, for all intents and purposes, let's make sure I don't get yelled at right. by the grandpa. Did police. you say
1: intensive purposes? No,
0: I yeah. said intense. No, I know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, l- I'm listening and... to the internet. Hey, listen, it's early this morning, you know? And yeah. um, <laughs> so it, it really just feels like an extension of your headphone cable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also it's unique because, it's, first of all, it's not very expensive. And the other thing is it's, it's a full 32-bit DAC. It uses a fantastic chip. It uses the um, ESS9018Q2C DAC chip. So that's one of the um, premier you know, um, DAC chips you can, you can buy It'll handle DSD as well as um, it'll handle, you know, of course, FLAC and every other format, but very few of these devices handle DSD natively, and this does evidently. Mm. And, um, and it's also incredibly powerful as a, you know, like I found the first time I did it, I almost blew my hearing out because I forgot to change the volume control mm. from another DAC. So in terms of like the ability to drive stuff, it can drive anything. I mean, it's really a potent little piece of equipment. Um, and the sound is great, but it's a, it's a, it's different. Mine came sent to me from DHL, came right over from, I think China. And, um, and it's, you know, you could use it for mastering, and you could use it for just about anything. And mm-hmm. it's a pretty, pretty serious performer and it's a unique approach at the form factor, which I really like.
1: That is cool. And so, and, and, uh, you've, your initial thought of how it sounds.
0: Sounds great. I yeah. mean, I think that when you get to a certain level of these DACs, you know, I think that it's it, it takes such extended and careful listening to suss out the differences. You know, one of the big ways that earphone or headphone people do it is by the noise floor. Do you hear any hiss? Do you hear any noise? Mm. And at, at some level, these things are so good that there really isn't any noise. And if there is, you don't know if you're making it up or not. So, um, so. I think in terms of audio, it sounded great. I did have one problem, though. I was demonstrating it for my friend Mark, and I was using his MacBook Pro, and um, and it's a couple years old, and I was using Decibel, which is one of my favorite shareware apps on a Mac for listening to high-res music, but it unfortunately hasn't been updated in the last couple years, and I'm Mm. not sure why, Um, and I kept getting a processor overload, and um, evidently, um, there's not many notes on it, but it means that other apps or other tasks are taking up, the processor and then um, the software can't do its job. So, but when I switched to my computer, it worked perfectly hmm. and, um, and so I think, I think this is something our listeners should check out. I think it's a pretty slick design and I think they're very um, sincere about this approach. And the thing is, it's not just, you know, a headphone app, it's a serious DAC and I think you could use it even for mastering. I mean, I think it's that good so um so that's anyhow that's my cool my thought on it and uh, all well, right I think well so we'll get know, the full
1: yeah we'll get the full dissertation uh in a, in a couple episodes i imagine
0: and by the way it's it's 150 bucks oh, cool. so you know if you're thinking about price point it's 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 below an audio quest red but it's above an audio quest black um so it's right in that spot between the two and um and, you know, the, I think the fact that it can do DSD is a major feature for a lot of people, even mm. though I think that there's so few DSDs out there, except for people like, you know, Blue Coast. Um, I, I think that's, you know, for me, the DSD thing's never been a make or break because there's so few files or DSDs.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. It's, it's, it's on the way or maybe not. <laughs> yeah. we, we never know. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the I've lived now with the audio control Rialto 600. I've not completely sat and give it a major critical listen because I'm still breaking it in a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you, it's a great device so far. This thing is a, uh, right to me, you know, I initially thought this is going to be like a perfect bedroom, you know, amplifier, but I think this could really work as a regular amp as well. So, a um, couple things I really love about it. It's 2.1. So you can actually run two speakers and a subwoofer. So if you have a nice sub and just a couple of bookshelves, this thing can rock your world. You know, you can put a nice set of speakers on there and, a you know, one of our awesome SVS subs or, or something. And you got yourself a system, kid. Um, so this is two channels times uh, 100 watts at 8 ohms, two by 200 watts at 4 ohms. And it's a bridgeable monoblock down to 400 watts. You could get two of these things and have two 400-watt monoblocks that I, I don't know what you couldn't run with them. They would be amazing. Uh, stable down to 3.6 ohms, which is pretty cool. Um, it has a few. It's got two digital optical and coaxial inputs and analog stereo inputs. Um, the DAC that's built in is the Wolfson digital analog converter, the Wolfson DAC. And it's got this cool AccuBase that I haven't played with yet, but it's supposed to give you really accurate base in your room. It's very small. It's about eight and a half inches wide. Um, and I don't know, five or six inches deep, so it's not too big. And it'll fit pretty much anywhere. It's, you know, five or six pounds. And great little device. I've got it right now plugged into my, um, my ElAX, my, um, my right. original ElAX, the B6s. And, I, you know, it's like I wake up, I throw something on. Lately, it's been Snarky Puppy. By the way, I've gotten a ton of emails from you guys. You're welcome for Snarky Puppy. Um, You're welcome. I know. I know. I'm telling you, I listen to it like three times a week. Um, But anyway, I I fired in there or throw something else on, and I'm always astonished at how good these $250 speakers sound. I'm just, they blow me away. And by the way, I did just get an email from the nice folks at PS Audio and I'm going to have to send the speakers and the PS Audio Sprout back soon. But I did propose, But what if we did a giveaway? What if we did a giveaway for that kit? I'm waiting to hear back if they're down for that. And if they are, then we're going to have some kind of cool contest. And we're going to give that to some awesome listener. Um, so anyway, it's the Rialto. I will do a full, um, a full test on it. What I was hoping, Harris is that you'd be yep. able to come down from your perch uh, in uh, close to L.A. and come down here to San Diego, and we could play with the audio control for a couple of hours, plug it into my speakers, uh, both sets. Maybe if I have another set of speakers that are here, just kind of try them out everywhere, and, uh, and then do a of official review of this yeah, here. But,
0: but what's in San Diego for me? Let's see, there's Coronado Islands, there's the Dell, mm. with that great bar overlooking the ocean. Yep. Um, there's great Mexican food. Yeah. There's the great um, Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: there's a zoo. Mm. Um, yeah. There's the beautiful beaches. Mm. But other than that, what's? Why would I, I come mean, to San why? Diego? Why?
1: Huh? When anybody, whenever anybody asks me when we're outside and they say, "Why did you move to San Diego?" I just look up and I go, "I don't understand the question." <laughs> Um, hey, listen.
0: I, I did want to mention one thing before we go, which is when I was at Consumer Electronics Show, um, Audio Technica had a. Audio Technica has these great presentations at CES. A year ago, they had a climbing wall. Um, <laughs> um, last year, they had a presentation on this new generation of Bluetooth headphones, and so I heard these headphones. They're called the ATH DSR9BT. Okay. Is you know, if anybody should fix their numbering sequence, it's Audio Technica. It's almost impossible to tell the difference. Right. They came out with a brand new set of over-the-ear headphones with something they call Pure Digital Drive. Um, they showed them to everybody. We got press releases on them, and last week they actually started becoming available. So it took them a long time, and they're quite expensive. They're five hundred and fifty bucks. I mean, they're not cheap. But, you know, they promise a very different approach to dealing with Bluetooth and wireless. So I haven't tested them. You know, I mean, I heard them for 30 seconds on a show floor. But I think, um, you know, our listeners should probably check out check out the webpage, start to look for reviews of them, and maybe we'll get a pair to play with. But, cool. Uh, or two. You know, or two, yeah. And, you know, and I have a love-hate relationship with Bluetooth stuff because I hate charging things. I hate having to remember before every flight... Yes. Or, you know, oh, I got to charge this or there's got to be, you know, it's like, you know, I'm so much happier with just a cable and one thing to charge, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I use the One More USA um, the over the years when I go to a coffee shop or something, but I always plug it in. First of all, because I want to use the, the DAC, right? I want to use the AudioQuest Dragonfly. But every once in a while, I will go Bluetooth and I am like if I'm, uh, for instance, if I'm working in the garage, or something i'll go bluetooth because i don't want to get you know a wire hanging off me and um i'm so pleasantly um the experience is more pleasant than i thought it would be put it that way of having because i i'm a little tentative when it comes around bluetooth i don't want a lot of you know stuff coming out of my brain i'd like (laughs) i don't want a lot of radiation right near my brain um but uh, I got to say, every once in a while, I will Bluetooth it up, and and um, it's okay. I just haven't gotten there yet. And I can't imagine if I owned those ear pods, those Apple ear pods, how quickly I would lose them. It would be the quickest $200 I've ever spent.
0: Yeah, I think the next great fortune is somebody that takes these Bluetooth locatable, you know, you know tags, you know, so that you can find where your keys are but starts integrating that into the actual products, because you're right. There is no way, you know, like right now they have little fobs that go on your keys and it tells you you where your keys are. Right. But cameras don't have it. And computers, they kind of have their own version of it if they're running and hooked up. But, you know, headphones, earphones are really easy to leave behind. Cell phones, really easy to leave behind, and almost none of these devices have a way to find out where you left them or if you're about to get on a plane and forgot to unplug it from the wall. Right. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm a, um, yeah. Well, so, so let's
1: plan on <laughs> you coming do down that. here while you're in California this time, and then I'm also going to go up. And uh, are we still, are we doing the barbecue thing? Is that going to happen, or no, is it does not the, There's no audio there now.
0: There's no audio, but um, we met a gentleman that um, owns – we didn't meet him. We heard about him, uh, a gentleman that was at the LA Audio Show who owns uh, evidently a fantastic barbecue restaurant in Woodland Hills who's also an audiophile, and um, somebody had said, oh, yeah, he's got this great system in the barbecue restaurant. When I talked to him, he said, oh, no, I don't have that system in the barbecue restaurant. Are you kidding? (laughs) (sighs) Jeez. Bummer. What was it called? It's called the uh, uh, rib rack?
1: um... Yeah, I don't know, but – we should we'll go anyway because we know he's an audio guy. And if I, I'm, I'm going to actually be up in L.A. over the weekend. Um, I did want to mention something for you guys before we ring off. Number one, I've just created the Beginner Audiophile podcast community on Facebook. So instead of just having the Beginner Audiophile page, which is great, and you guys have been there, it, it doesn't serve community very well. Um, we can't really grow and have great conversations on the, the group page. So I want or on the, the page page. So I'm starting a group and I want you guys to join it. So you just go to, um, I want to say it's just facebook.com slash beginner audio file. Let me double check that. No, no, you know what it is. It's groups, facebook.com slash groups slash beginner audio file. And there's no one in it yet. Just me and Harris. But, um, you know, soon enough. Let's grow this thing to a few thousand folks, and I've also added the ability to buy, sell, and trade in the group. So if there's some, you know, good records, good gear, something like that that you are trying to get rid of or are trying to buy, let's uh, let's make that happen. Okay.
0: Yeah, and can I that's make a deal. plug for people? I just finished a kind of long review um, on Mac Edition Radio, and that's www mac edition radio that's wait do people M-A-C- still say
1: www in 2017 yeah, well, you know why not Jeez. But yeah
0: sorry. it's old-fashioned um we could say the world wide web you um, could
1: sorry <laughs> i interrupted your plug go ahead
0: no that's fine it's it's a mac edition which is because when we started out we were all apple heads and now of course. Apple's not so interesting anymore and um,
1: mm, and,
0: nice. and you know we we actually have the domain for tech edition radio and we may just switch over but right now it's mac edition radio it's mac then edition like you know first edition so e d i t i o n and then radio.com and i wrote an extensive review of the night owl carbons the dragonfly red and the dragonfly black And um, the new Sgt. Peppers, the new Jaco Pistorius, um, the new Neil Young Decade high res release. So if you have a chance, give it a listen to. Cool. Uh, A read, sorry, we don't have any audio interviews on that right now, but we will. And then also, I just want to mention that next week at the LA Convention Center is SIGGRAPH, which is the granddaddy of technology conferences. It's the interaction of digital technology, interactivity, and art. And it's a huge, huge hangout for everybody involved in computer animation, CG. But there is digital audio there, and there's, some, and there's an emerging technologies area where you see things that aren't close to production. but there, And I've, I've seen some amazing digital audio um, presentations on different ways of recording audio, different ways to present it. So if you're in L.A. next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um look for sigraph. Cool. S I G G R A P H.
1: Cool. Awesome. And if you have a chance to interview anybody there Harris, um, you know, come on and bring it up, bring it on the show.
0: I'd like to do that.
1: Yeah. Um thanks so much guys for tuning in. Hope you learned a few things about the audio world this uh, this particular episode. Again, all show notes beginneraudiofile.com. Go find us on Facebook, facebook.com/groups/beginneraudiofile. And I'm sure we'll link it up in the show notes, too, if you guys want to just pop over there. Or I'm sure you can just search for Beginner Audio File on the Facebook. So with that, for Mr. Harris Fogel, I'm Michael O'Neill, and we... Thanks for listening to Beginner
0: Audiophile. For gear giveaways and answers to your questions, join our mailing list at beginneraudiophile.com. Tag pictures of your audio setup to @beginneraudiofile on Instagram. Until next time, keep experiencing great music.